Funding for The Spark is provided by Capital Blue Cross, focused on creating a healthier future for our communities through innovations like Capital Blue Cross Connect Health and Wellness Centers, which provide in-person services and inspire healthy living. Learn more at CapitalBlueCross.com. The Spark is also supported by UPMC, offering a broad range of cardiac and vascular treatments in our community. More information is available at upmc.com slash centralpaheart. Welcome to The Spark. I'm Scott Lamar. The opioid crisis in this country and Pennsylvania would generally follow this timeline. The use of prescription drugs, mostly those that alleviated pain, skyrocketed. Many became addicted to opioids by raiding a medicine cabinet or buying prescription drugs on the street. They then turned to heroin, which was cheap on the streets and not just available in the inner cities. Those who sold or distributed heroin were always looking for ways to make more money. So they began lacing heroin with synthetic drugs like fentanyl, which could be made inexpensively. Fentanyl was also much more powerful than heroin and was deadly. Now comes word of fentanyl being mixed with an animal tranquilizer, xylazine, known on the street as Trank. This mixture has one of the most horrible impacts on a body than almost any other drug. To talk about Trank on the Spark today is Dr. Asif Ilyas, president of the Rothman Orthopedic Institute Foundation for Opioid Research and Education. Dr. Ilyas, welcome to the program. Scott, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. First of all, when I describe this as having one of the most uh, horrible impacts on the body uh, as much as any other drug, I mean, this is just incredible what, uh, what a body goes through for, for this. Indeed. You know what? First of all, I think your summary of the issue was, was very well done. So thank you for that. And the issue now that we are starting to deal with, with um, abuse with fentanyl, and is that they're now adding this trank or xylazine to it. And, and just to take a step back for a moment, Previously, uh, if you go back a few years, most of the um, IV drugs that were being sold on the street and abused were essentially heroin. And then they would be laced with fentanyl as what we refer to as the adulterant. Now fentanyl is becoming really the primary or if not the primary or one of the primary agents that, that folks are seeking to inject with. So it's no longer an adulterant, it's kind of the mainstay uh, agent. And now the adulterant is xylazine, which is the, the animal tranquilizer, as you mentioned. And what it's causing is pretty gruesome uh, skin, skin and tissue manifestations because not only do they have the effects of depressing one's respiratory centers and, and what have you, but also causes significant uh, tissue damage. Um, and obviously, Ron, we're talking, I can't show you, but it's pretty gruesome what we're seeing uh, in the emergency rooms coming in now. So you can't show us, but can you describe what these flesh wounds, as they've been described, look like? Yeah. Yeah, I, it, it, there's a couple of good analogies for some will, uh, will say looks like a burn wound, like a third degree burn wound where the outer layer starts to get black and uh, we call it eschar, but it starts to kind of um, peel away, leaving raw uh, tissue or raw flesh below it. I uh, said so almost looks like uh, bad burn wounds in the area. And, and it usually starts where the injection was placed and then spreads from there. And essentially it's necrosing or killing the skin and tissue overlying the deep structures of the extremities, usually the arms most commonly where that's where people mostly inject 
exposing the muscles and tendons and what have you deep below it. And there have been users who have actually had arms or legs or extremities amputated as a result of taking this drug, right? That's exactly right. Um, and so first of all, the, the appearance is becoming more frequent. You know, a year or so ago, they were um, unusual to come across this. And now, unfortunately, we're seeing these come into the emergency rooms uh, more frequently. And depending on the, the length of time it's been there or the amount that was injected or the depth that the, um, the xylazine, the trank was injected, can cause, can cause progressively more necrosis and, and tissue damage to the point, like you said, that a limb may need to be amputated. Would you, we have had several cases of that where it's not salvageable. The goal generally is to salvage it by kind of managing the wounds and the traditional techniques we usually utilize to manage bad wounds. So I hate to put it this way, but what kind of high does a user get out of this? I mean, they have to know that there's a possibility that they'll have these these wounds to their, their flesh and that they could lose an arm and a leg or a, or a leg. What kind of high do they get out of it? They get a more pronounced high, to keep it simple. I mean, they already get quite a high from uh, fentanyl and the, the addition of the trank, the xylazine, enhances that high. And unfortunately, you know, the, when we're dealing with some of these patients, um, as a surgeon, I'm dealing with them in the hospital. Our frontline workers are dealing with this issue on the streets, trying to educate people about their damage, um, pursuing harm reduction strategies. But when we're dealing with them in the hospital as a surgical problem, um, we discuss this with them. And it, it's alarming that they, they are begin to recognize the risk, but it doesn't necessarily mitigate their desire to use it because that high um, is unfortunately even more uh, profound. Are they addicted to the xylazine or to the fentanyl or both? Well, I'm comfortable saying that they're injected to, they're addicted to the fentanyl. That's for sure. That's your traditional, um, very powerful opioid, which requires progressively more opioids to kind of get the same high. That's what kind of how addiction progresses. That need for more at, at shorter intervals and higher amounts to achieve the same high. Xylazine is a little bit different. It's technically not an opioid. It's a tranquilizer. Um, so you can be addicted to that, to that as well. Hard to differentiate, frankly, which of the two is a greater addictive agent. I, I assume it's mostly the fentanyl. But the problem is that when you're seeking this on the street, you're not really asking for the, the, the chemical breakdown or percentages of the agent. And moreover, at this point, uh, we have to assume that all injections of fentanyl are laced with the adulterant xylazine. And, and just recently, last month, uh, the Philadelphia Health Commissioner released an excellent summary of this issue staying the same, that we have to assume that any uh, case of fentanyl IV drug abuse has xylazine with it. It's that widespread in Philadelphia? Unfortunately, it's, it seems to be, yes. Mm -hmm. Why hasn't the rest of the country, and maybe even outside of Philadelphia, heard about this? this? I mean, I have to say that one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the program today, New York Times did a story, Philadelphia Inquirer did a story about it, but not a lot of people know about this. Well, I mean, to be fair, we're still early on the curve of this issue with the xylazine. It just seems to be the latest, you know, bad chapter, if you will, of the, of the opioid epidemic. Um, so it's, it's, we're earlier on in this experience with it. And unfortunately, um, as both Pennsylvanians here, Philly, 
Philadelphia appears to be ground zero once more for this uh, drug abuse issue. And so we're seeing it more, more with greater prevalence here. And like you said, I too was uh, surprised to see that the New York Times actually did a whole piece around the issue in Philadelphia. Obviously they're seeing it in New York as well, but I think it's more a bit more advanced or at least earlier here. But I have to believe, and that's why it's important to have this discussion, that it's going to continue to spread to other areas. Um, this issue with fentanyl uh, and opioid um, uh, abuse is not unique to Pennsylvania. Unfortunately, we, send, we often tend to see it earlier here in certain parts of, of Philly, in the North Philadelphia area in particular. Um, but I think it's going to spread, unfortunately. The New York Times piece uh, quoted someone in the Kensington section of Philadelphia as saying there are people who travel across the country to come to Philadelphia to get this. Sadly, that is that is true. Uh, again, if for whatever reason, uh, this area has become, um, you know, the, the again, ground zero or the or, or really the kind of the hub or capital for this type of drug abuse, unfortunately. And sometimes when new things are introduced, we're seeing them here first, and then they start to make their way across the rest of the country, hence the need to bring awareness to them. We're discussing a new drug mixture on the streets, primarily in Philadelphia, kind of the epicenter of this, but it is happening across the country where it is available. The drug is called xylazine. It has a street name of Trank. What it is is a mixture of an animal tranquilizer and fentanyl. Our guest today is Dr. Asif Ilyas, president of the Rothman Orthopedic Institute Foundation for Opioid Research and Education. Maybe you should take a step back, Dr. Ilyas. What is xylazine? So it's uh, a sedative. Uh, it's in the benzodiazepine family. It's an agent that we that is used for animals because of its potency to sedate them for procedures or what have you. And so it's really not meant for human use. Uh, but the family medications is a sedative and which have some uh, similarities to opioids in that they both have the effect to, to depress parts of our brain that control our, our awareness, our breathing, our heartbeat. Uh, but it works slightly different in terms of um, that effect. And therefore, one of the big issues we're having with it is that we can't reverse it as readily as we can with an opioid overdose. So uh, many people know what's called naloxone or Narcan. So if someone comes in, you can give who has an opioid overdose, you can give them that um, uh, through inhaling it or through an IV and that can quickly reverse it. But unfortunately with uh, xylazine, we can't, it doesn't work that way. We don't have a reversal agent in the traditional manner. So just to be clear, can a user overdose on xylazine or are they overdosing on fentanyl just mixed with the xylazine that makes the situation worse? You can overdose on either separately. Uh, what we're seeing on the street is the mix. And we are assuming that the primary uh, agent in the, the drugs that are being abused are still essentially heroin and or fentanyl. And then the xylazine is just uh, being mixed in what well, the term we use in adulterants kind of adds some potent, potency, uh, kind of spike it, if you will, for uh, lack of a better term, the increase the high. So it's hard to know, but when you're dealing with someone who's dealing with an overdose situation, you'll give them Narcan first, but whatever effect that the xylazine is having, we, we, we may not be able to counter that in that, in that way. And we'd look at other agents we call uh, alpha-2 adrenergic agonists to, to reverse it. So do EMTs, do police, to those who uh, often are there to administer Narcan, 
do they recognize an overdose of, of Trank? Uh, frankly, I would say our EMTs are probably the, the most uh, experienced with this because they are on their front lines. Those folks who are in the front line, including EMTs and emergency room physicians in our city hospitals, definitely are seeing this. Again, this is a wave that's just starting, so they are seeing it. Moreover, the wounds that we were talking about are so impressive that they're hard to miss, frankly. Um, and so that's really one of the things that is starting to garner more attention is that we already know that it's a problem in terms of your, your health from like uh, an overdose, either a single overdose event or cumulatively, if you keep increasing what you need to achieve your high. But now we're seeing that dizalazine is causing some local tissue injury that now compromises your limbs in addition, so you can you can live and survive from the overdose, but then your limbs often are not. So it's just a one more casualty of this war that we're seeing. Do hospitals test for xylazine? Uh, that's a great question. No, we, I don't believe we have a great test for it. We're just recognizing the, the patterns for it at this time. You touched on this, but is there a treatment for someone who has overdosed from Trank? Yes, we do have a way to uh, combat it. It's not as quickly as effective as a Narcan is, but we do. There are agents that we can both acutely and chronically uh, to help counter counter its effects. Mm. Uh, if it is recognized. If it's recognized, that's exactly right. And and that's really what, what's important to do here for, for you and I is to raise that awareness that we're seeing the, um, fentanyl and heroin um, abuse being further you know, com com complicated by the use of this trank, the xylazine. Now, I understand that uh, xylazine is not regulated like, say, fentanyl or other opioids, and that's an issue as well, right? Yeah, that's correct. It's not because it's not for human consumption, so it's not... Uh, a, regulated because not for humans. So the regulation for animal agents are different than for humans, correct? Mm. So is it something that I, I did see that the state of Florida has uh, designated uh, xylazine as a regulated, they have set some regulations. Is this something that because people are abusing this drug, that maybe uh, law enforcement uh, legislatures across the country will have to, to react to that. I, I do agree with that, Scott. I think that the, the reality on the ground is that we have to put some guardrails around xylazine now that it's been identified as an agent uh, for drug abuse. And it, because it's being used so readily and because it's, its consequences are so grave that we have to put some regulation around it uh, unfortunately, but I think that is the reality. You know, Dr. Elias, it's 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 hard to tell what goes through a person's mind. But I, you know, I always wonder my, to myself, what ever ever gave the first person the idea to mix fentanyl or heroin with an animal tranquilizer? Yeah, I, I hear you, Scott. I you know, and I can't get in the heads of these individuals either. You know, there's two layers to this. One is as a as a user. You know, we we train our uh, professionals not to pass judgment. We try to look at this as a health condition and manage as such. It's easy to quickly judge, and sometimes there's circumstances around someone becoming a victim of opiate addiction through often, frankly, legitimate or or conventional. Um, dynamics. And so we have to be careful to not judge. And there's the other side of this. There's unfortunately the business 
of, of, of Ill illegal drug trade. And so like any business, how do you create a better product for your consumer, right? So uh, looking using my just business person's hat, you would, you would look at a product, say, how can I make it better? Sadly, it has come to be using an animal or horse tranquilizer to enhance the profound high that one gets from using fentanyl or heroin, despite its risk for loss of you know, life, life or limb. I said in the introduction about uh, those who distribute fentanyl that uh, one of the reasons that they've done it is it's a synthetic drug. It's inexpensive to make. Uh, you know, that goes to the business side that uh, you were just uh, just talking about. Where does xylazine come from? I mean, I would imagine that there are veterinarians with it, but uh, these people who are using it on the street, where are they getting it? That's a great question. I don't have a great answer for you. I assume it's a combination of they're getting them, getting purchasing them either illegally or legally because it is produced. It is something that's available. And as you mentioned, it's not regulated. So there must be some conventional means where they can acquire it. And uh, like many agents, uh, many uh, sedatives, you can also uh, create it. It's not a natural agent like opioids are. And like you said, fentanyl is really caught on because it's synthetic, so you can make it. It's, I hear, I, I don't know how to, to make it, but I hear it's relatively straightforward to make, and it's very potent. I would imagine because most benzodiazepines or, or sedatives can be made, that this too can be made illegally. I want to, a question I meant to ask a few minutes ago when you were talking about the wounds and uh, the, the those wounds being recognizable. Does everyone who use the, uses this mix do they show signs outwardly, or is it just a, a segment of the people who use it? Uh, it depends. So one of the things that we're trying to do here at the Rothman Opiate Foundation is to study this new pattern. And then so we can educate our um, first responders and our providers and our surgeons who are going to be managing this. And uh, again, we're very early in understanding this. We're about to publish a paper on our early experience with this to share with everyone. But broadly, to answer your question, uh, it depends on the on the the dosage, how much of it it has been injected, and then how frequently it's being injected. So it's just about concentration. The more that is there, more frequently it is placed, uh, you can overdose and cause greater uh, local tissue effect. What that exact you know dose dependence is, like how much you have to inject to get that, I don't have the answer to that right now, but it's it's, it's essentially dose dependent. Mm. So, as you mentioned, the Rothman uh, Institute uh, Foundation for uh, Opioid Research and Education, I mean, there's so much we can learn from your research. Obviously, this is something new. Are there other things out there that maybe the public should be aware of when it comes to the opioid crisis? Well, there's so much I could talk about uh, around the opioid crisis, as you can imagine, Scott. Um, and what we have tried, well, I'll say a couple of things. So first of all, it's, it's a very multifactorial problem, the opioid crisis. And what we're seeing now in, the, in 2023, if you will, now we're in a new year, is that the public's and the, and the prescribers' understandings of the risk of opioid prescribing and addiction abuse is becoming more clear, which is good. Um, and we're seeing decreasing opioid prescribing across the country by, by prescribers, by doctors and others. Um, and we're also seeing more uh, thoughtful consumption by, by the public. However, uh, we, we are unfortunately seeing is increasing mortality from opioid abuse because when people still are getting addicted to opioids, they're quickly moving to fentanyl, which is much more lethal 
than say before uh, with oxycodone, which is in Percocet or OxyContin. Fentanyl is much, much more lethal. So even though we're seeing less prescribing and less consumption of opioids, what's alarming is we're seeing the same, if not greater deaths. And it's because of the issue around the increasing utilization of fentanyl and its potency. And now you, you layer in this new issue with xylazine, the trank, it only complicates matters further. Is it accurate to say that uh, the great majority, and I don't know what the percentage would be, of overdose deaths today uh, are fentanyl related? It's funny you ask that question because I just asked that of my team to start to really do a deep dive and try to understand what's the ratio of deaths uh, that we're seeing now. What percentage of them are from fentanyl versus from uh, other opioid related deaths? And I don't have a number for you, but I can tell you the trend is very much that it's fentanyl related uh, deaths. So when the people say opioid related deaths, it's primarily from fentanyl. Uh, for the reasons discussed, it's potency and, and, and it's being cheap and it's easy access and what have you. So uh, unlike a traditional opioid where you have to try to get it on the street from uh, a, someone who got it from their doctor or from some other source, uh, fentanyl can just be synthesized by uh, those involved in the drug trade and purchased more readily and it's very potent. So the trend is definitely, I don't have a number for you, but the trend is clearly towards fentanyl-related deaths. Dr. Asif Ilyas is president of the Rothman Orthopedic Institute Foundation for Opioid Research and Education in Philadelphia. Dr. Ilyas, thank you very much for informing our audience and providing an education today. Thank you for being with us today. Scott, it's absolutely my pleasure. Thanks for your time and having me speak to you. You're listening to The Spark on WITF, your home for NPR and discovering all things local. I'm Scott Lamar.